User Grindstaff Publishing Audio Files. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Grindstaff Publishing Podcast. Today is December 15th at right at 9 o'clock. Um, as, as anyone has been following this knows that these are coming out in rapid succession. Um, as I said in, in the last one, um, I'm trying to get everything done by the end of this month, December. So December 31st. So that basically means I'm working on this thing every day. Um, I just finished the chapter uh, 16. Um, that one's going to be up tomorrow, which is Wednesday. I got that done today. Um, I just recorded chapter 17, and I'm going back and recording the discussion for chapter 16. So it feels very much like a, like a college, like, last-minute uh, project, but I like it. It keeps me busy and keeps me motivated. So um, if you're wondering why these are coming out so damn fast, that's why. I'm trying to finish everything. So I'm going to talk about uh, Benelux. Um, Benelux is uh, short for Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Um, I didn't go in that order, but it's a, it's a nice little, I guess, acronym. Um, so it's uh, helpful. So let's get going. Um, so I just left um, Paris. So I got on a train in Paris, and I went up, went north, into Luxembourg City. <clears throat> Luxembourg City is beautiful. It's one of the richest um, cities and richest countries in the world. Um, and that shows when you get there, because... Right away, Luxembourg City is medieval, a lot of stone. Um, it was cold as crap when I got there. Um, so scarf was going pretty good, and, the, and my, my meager jacket was on. Um, I got dropped off, a uh, beautiful train station. Um, I, I walked along. I walked across this giant, expansive arch bridge that scared the crap out of me because I don't, I don't like heights. But I didn't look straight down. I just kind of looked around. Um, and it was beautiful. It was a perfect time to be there because... It wasn't crazy busy yet because it wasn't like Christmas time, but it's also, um, you know, right around the end of November, early December. And so everything had like that foggy white cloud or kind of gray cloud um, look to it. All the trees didn't have any leaves on them. Um, everything that that brick, the yellow and, and the black roof situation was beautiful and everything. Um, so I, I, went, I went in search of my hostel like always. Um, I... I was following my map on my phone. I, I got this new map app. It was supposedly better. It was okay. And I went across this uh, very medieval looking bridge. that had this beautiful, like broken down um, turret fort or a turret on the side. Um, I, I wound down this little park thing and I came across my hostel. The hostel was, uh, was big and yellow with a, with a black roof. And then across the way was this giant um, arch bridge. Um, and then it was just picturesque. I walked in and they, it was right at dinner time, so I, I paid for a, a Luxembourgish, and Luxem, Luxembourg has Luxembourgish language and Luxembourgish food, so it's its own culture, but it's this really cool mix of all the countries around it. So it's a little, little bit of Belgium, a little bit of Germany, a Germany, little bit of French, and of course, it's all in Luxembourg. So it's this perfect mixture of all this stuff, and it kind of comes together in this uh, Luxembourgish thing, or Borgish. Um, so they have their own cuisine and so I sat down and immediately had a nice Luxembourgish uh, meal and I had some a nice German Pilsner um, it was a lot more like not business but a lot more people that were around there were already put together so it looks like it kind of like a situation where 
it wasn't so much a hostel. It was more of a stopping over place for people that were like, you know, working for a business or whatever like that. So I was like a very much the grimy, you know, vagabond traveler, whereas everyone around me was kind of like, you know, you know, close to middle age, put together sweaters and that kind of thing. And they were all just very cool people, very quiet, but very nice and, you know, jovial. Well, I, so I went to sleep that night with talks of uh, snow in the forecast of the next day. And I woke up and there's a light dusting of snow. I walked out and there was snow falling. And I was like, ah, oh, this is amazing. And I spent the entire day just walking around. First stop was Newminster Abbey, which um, was pretty very, was right across the street, or not street, but right across the fortified wall or bridge that I was staying under. Um, and so you, you, you walk out and um, the entire thing looks like it could be, you know, have knights and everything roaming around it. And I think what the deal is about Luxembourg City is that, especially New, uh, New, New Munster Abbey, is that it wasn't actually built in the medieval ages. It was built much later, but it was built to kind of look like that. Um, but regardless, you get the feel. Um, it just everything about that city is so put together and so it looks precise and elegant, and it feels very Belgium, very Luxembourg, all, like in that northwest corner of Europe. It all kind of has a similar architecture where it's all very put together, very clean and tidy, kept up very well and clean. And I just walked all over Luxembourg City. I walked, um, you know, down into that area. I walked into a, like a beautiful park. I walked up the hill and I found myself in the financial sector. Again, a lot of money goes through Luxembourg City, and um, it showed in that, um, you know, beautiful gold gold clocks and, you know, beautiful lampposts, and everything was decked out in Christmas decor. Um, the streets were wonderful. Everyone was clean. Everyone was in very, very tidy outfits. Um, and then I found myself in this uh, wonderful Luxembourg, but also kind of German-inspired um, Christmas market. I had, a, I had the, the best bratwurst I ever had. No offense to Germany. Um, I had real, real gingerbread for the first time. There was like, everyone was happy and jovial. It smelled amazing. It smelled like mulled wine and Christmas trees and just this wonderful atmosphere with a very, very, um, you know, light snow falling. Um, just people were happy. Kids were happy. Music was playing. It didn't matter that the language is, it, it just had this really amazing feel to it. Um, so of course, you know, it made me, made me miss my home, but it also made me think, okay, well, December 11th, I'll be flying out of Iceland. I'll be heading home. I'll be home for the holidays. So if if I was going to be staying in uh, you know in Europe through through Christmas time, it would have been a bummer. But I had a great time, and the Christmas markets were wonderful, and I I, I felt like I really experienced that vibe there. Um, the next oh, and then I also went up to this uh, this this really cool uh, museum that had gotten turned in, into museum from a fortress, and so that was really cool. I got to see the entire city above, and it was wonderful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I took a train the next day into uh, Ghent, Belgium. It was interesting because um, I had uh, I had heard earlier that there was a, a bomb threat, a major bomb threat in Brussels. And even though I wasn't going to Brussels, I was going to Belgium, and so um, I had to go. Um, I had to go into Bel or Brussels on my train, but luckily I didn't have to leave or anything. It was a little bit tense. It was a little little weird to be going into a city that's so lively. Any normally. But it was basically kind of shut down because of this bomb threat in the early morning. So kind of a little bit, a little bit scary and kind of a, a little unnerving to know that that was right there. Um, I arrived in Ghent, which is a wonderful city, um, but I was hungry. You know, it was like like late late morning, kind of around lunchtime. So I said, okay, well, I'll just do what I normally do anyway, and I'll go to a kebab shop. Why not? I walk into this Turkish kebab shop, and there is this guy who I think was Turkish, 
And uh, there's, you know, this little tiny shop is probably 10 patrons eating their lunch or whatever. And I, and I went to the, uh, the counter and I said, well, I'd like to have blah, 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 this kebab. And the guy immediately took, was taken aback by my accent. And he was like, where are you from? I said, oh, you know, I was so used to being like, oh, this is, this is an opportunity to make a friend. And so like, kind of like a dog being like, oh, yeah, well, I'm from America. Where are you from? And uh, his vibe just was just mean, just a mean dude. And he's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm Turkish. My, my mom is from Afghanistan. My father's from Iraq. And, you know, basically, you're, you know, you Americans have a problem with those people. So you have a problem with me and I have a problem with you. And I was like, damn, dude. And, and, and like, just was super just aggressive and just basically did all that to tell me to fuck off. And I was going into his establishment to buy his food. And so I was like, you know, whatever, man, I, I, I don't need this. I just got to this, this new city, this new country. Screw you. So I started to walk off and he's like, no, 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 let, let's just, let's just calm down. And so looking back, I'm not sure why I did it. I'm sure he wasn't happy with me in the first place, but I, I, I still went through with it. I was embarrassed. And so I, I ordered a kebab and sat down and everyone in the restaurant was looking at me weird and like, what are you doing, dude? And, um, I was just fuming. Like I, before I left, you know, people that had not traveled in America, my family mostly, um, were always be like, oh, you know, people, people are saying you, you should, you know, if someone asks you where you're from, you should say you're Canadian or just don't say you're American because everyone hates America and, you know, that puts you in danger. And I was like, that's so stupid. That's so close minded. And I'm not going to do that. And for two and a half or for about two and a half months, two months, at least I had no qualms about saying, oh yeah, I'm from America. And so, I mean, maybe one time before that I got any kind of backlash, but nothing like this. And so to be sitting there, you know, in his restaurant and eating his kebab, which is amazing, a very good kebab, it was like, dude, what the hell? Why, why are you so like, you just pissed off at me? So the entire time I was fuming, I was eating my, I was eating my kebab and everyone was looking at me kind of weird and like looking at me like, what are you going to do about this guy? I was like, you know what, you know, just kill him with kindness kind of thing. And so I just, I just was, I could just love my stuff and left, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna be nice and take my tray up, um, be a gentleman. And, um, kind of snarkily he's like oh how'd you like your food and i said well, you know it was fantastic thank you very much and i said i have a you know what one of my friends one of my, my best friends back home um, in america is a turkish guy he's told me on countless times how amazing and warm and accepting istanbul is and how amazing turkish people are and he taught me a little bit of turkish when i when i was with him and so all i want to say to you is a teşekkürüm and teşekkürüm means thank you in turkish and i just smiled and walked off I kind of gave him my own fuck you in, in this, in my own way. And I was like, okay, well, this is a nice way of doing it. He's like, wait, 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 hold, wait, wait, how, how do you, what? How do you know Turkish? And immediately his, his, his entire, entire, you know, mindset changed. And um, he talked, you know, then we started talking and he was saying, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I thought you were some, another American guy. And I'm like, you know, it, you shouldn't do that. You know, I mean, like, you, you're not a child, but you, you shouldn't treat people like that. Like you don't know who anybody is. I'm coming into your establishment. I'm, I'm, I, want, I want to buy your food. I'm not put off by the fact that you're Turkish. Like you shouldn't be put off, put off by the fact that I'm American. That doesn't matter. And so we had this really good, you know, little bit of talk and he smiled and shook, shook my hand and said, I mean, he's really sorry. And that, you know, Istanbul is a beautiful city and you know, I should totally visit it. So it was my first example of like true country shaming and being like, you know, screw you from being where you're from, which unless you move somewhere, you can't choose where you're from. You know, you can only choose what you what you think and what you put out in the world. So it was a really good example of like, I could have said to, to, told him to fuck, fuck himself, walked off, and then he would have had this bad vision of me. I would have had this bad envisionment of him and the world would have been worse. But instead, you know, I I controlled myself, which is very difficult to do. 
And I was just thought of like, you know, what I would, what I would tell my future kids and be like, you know, just treat people how you want to be treated. So it was, in, it was an interesting experience. Um, after that moment, it was crazy because I had this really kind of black spot on my, my entrance to Ghent. And then once I walked into the Old Town District, it was amazing. Um, it was so beautiful. And my hostel had five stars on the hostel app I was using for a very good reason. I walked into it. It was a 13th century hostel. Um, it looked like a damn castle. It was, it was a small, small castle, granted. Um, and it was beautiful. Dark wood. There was a, there was a huge bar, um, you know, overstuffed chairs and couches, and people were amazing. My hostel looked like any kind of movie, movie hostel. It was just incredible. Pardon me, drinking deeply from my stout. Um, the, the view was great because the, the bar uh, and, the, and the common room was right next to the bar. From the common room, you could look out and see a canal. You're right on a, a damn canal. And you look out into any, Google any image of like downtown Ghent, uh, Belgium, and you see what I saw. This beautiful skyline of belfries and stone and very traditional um, Belgian architecture. Um, type it in, look it up, take it in. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And so it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, so my, my, my first day was basically spent with me drooling over my hostel and drooling over Ghent as a, as a country. Um, that night I was pretty tired. So, okay, well, I'll just take it easy and just, you know, relax. And of course, um, I talked to this person, that person. I, I met an American girl who was really cool. The, the bartender for the night was this guy that was super into Belgian beer, which is fantastic, which I'm really into beer. And um, he's like, oh, you try this beer. And there, there are so many beers that I had seen in, in America for so much money, but they were so cheap because they were from there. Um, so I had probably five, six really high alcohol content beers that were so good. And I, and I tried writing a little bit of my blog and then I just ended up talking to people and it was fantastic. The night ended at like two in the morning and I didn't care. I got, I got into my bed. It was just like swirling with like, oh my God, it's amazing. The next morning I got up and had a, you know, pretty, um, pretty good breakfast with it. They put it on there in the hostel and uh, I heard talk of a walking tour. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm a little hungover, but screw it. Let's do it. I went on the walking tour. And this Belgian guy who's who like like most walking tour guys, um, guides, just really flamboyant and jovial and happy and liked his job and was just a really cool dude. My group was really cool, a mixture of really cool people, and um, just kind of just hung out with them. And like three hours of walk around the, the city of Ghent and just learned this, learned that. Um, it was just, it's fantastic. Saw so many things. Um, saw a castle and. It was all, it was really cool. One of the things that always uh, stay with me about Ghent, which is funny, it, even though it was just, to the eyes, just absolutely jaw-droppingly beautiful, um, we, he ended the tour at this place, which is, which is across the street from the, the literal castle. Um, but there's a center, this city, like little, little bit of market area, and there's a, there's a light. And so for probably decades, if not centuries, uh, well, not centuries because it's a light, but decades at least, um, the there's this one light and so whenever the light goes off it means a baby was born in in the local hospital and so i always thought it was kind of cool and there's a little little inscription on the ground you can read if you're not with somebody that knows and so if you see a light then it means someone's born so this is kind of like a nice little thing like oh this is nice someone else got brought into the world and that's pretty cool um i i after that um i uh let's see yeah, I think that was uh, Thanksgiving Day, which is funny because I did the walking tour and then I realized from a, from one of the American girls in the walking tour that it was the 25th of November that, that year. And um, it was Thanksgiving. And it was so interesting because her and I were like, oh, isn't this weird that we're celebrating an only American holiday? 
we're not in America, so no one cares. It was this really weird feeling of like, wow, we're not the center of attention in America, and nor should we be, though it feels like it a lot of the time, especially when you live here. And um, it was so weird because we were just like, oh, well, we didn't have dinner tonight. I, just, I guess we'll have just normal food. And so I remember going to a market and um, getting like this green soup and like this bread and be like, oh, this is my Thanksgiving dinner. And I uh, I call, I think called my mom or something like that or at least emailed her or something and said, you know, I, 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 was, I wish I was with you guys for Thanksgiving, but, you know, now I'm here eating my, yellow, my green soup and bread. And uh, then I had dinner and then I was kind of walking around a little bit and then I met this guy. He's, he's very much hippie guy. He's like mid-20s very, you know, mid to late twenties, just complete hippie stoner dude. And, uh, he, he saw me from across the canal. I was like, Hey man, come over here. I was like, this is weird. I went over and he had like a, like a baggie of weed and, and, a, and like a, a bag of beer. And I was like, Oh, okay. He's like, which would you want, want to help me, want to help me out finish these guys? I'm like, well, passing the weed, I'll have some, I'll have a beer with you. And so he's trying to be a really cool guy. He was, a um, he was from France and he had, uh, you know, kind of wealthy parents and lived very much like that. And he was kind of ro- roaming around Europe um, and just kind of taking the rave scene. And so he was a really cool guy, you know, a very, 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 um, you know, weed guy, very stoner guy. But, you know, he would just talk about this, like these big ideas and all of a sudden just get lost and all of a sudden come back and bring it in again. It's like, oh, this kind of guy. Okay. And uh, he's really cool. So I kind of hung out with him for an hour and he's a nice guy and just, he was going to go, I think, I don't know, he's going somewhere after that. I, I can't remember where, probably back to France or whatever, but he was just really into raving, had a beer with them and just kind of talked and so oh, this is a nice encounter. Then never saw him again. Uh, the next day I got on a uh, train, uh, train, I can't remember which one it was, um, transport. No, I think it was a, a train because it was really cheap. A uh, train to Bruges. Bruges is made famous um, uh, by the um, Colin Farrell movie um, in Bruges, and uh, it's great. I, I luckily I'd seen that movie before, so I, I kind of had like a kind of a background of what Bruges was, and um, I got dropped off, and I was wandering like I always do. I didn't know where the hell I was going, um, and the architecture was really cool. Um, but then I found myself in a convent. Um, I was looking at these swans in this little pond in a convent on the grounds of a convent. And I was just like, okay, this is, this is nice and serene and meditative. And I was like, okay, well let's go kind of just keep on going. And then from over the rooftops, I saw this gigantic, um, tower, this medieval tower. I was like, oh man, this is, and from watching the movie and looking at a little bit of pictures of it, oh, this, this is where I need to go. And I walked and sure enough, there was the giant belfry, um, just the most stunning architecture, um, just stone and Bruges was fantastic. Just the architecture alone, just in, in the square, the main square was just blow you away. The main square, you know, um, not circling it, but squaring it, um, had all the all the Belgian architecture you could ever want. Um, it was fantastic. I found my way to my hostel, which is not Bruges is not very big anyway, but from from the main square that had the belfry and had all the uh, the beautiful architecture and the pink buildings uh, was my hostel. I walked in and there was a very apathetic dude behind the counter checking me in. He couldn't have cared less that I was there, but he made a little snarky remark being like, oh, I'm surprised you were, you didn't cancel your plans. You know, most Americans were canceling their plans after hearing there's a bomb threat in Bru- uh, Brussels. And I was like, damn, man, what's what with these Belgian people? Um, but he, but then after a little bit of talking, he was really cool. And he, uh, he's like, oh, by the way, there's a, there's a, there's a beer tour tonight if you want to, you know, 
go to that or whatever. So he's like, I don't want to ever piss on it. Um, and so uh, I was like, okay, well, that sounds fun. And so, sorry, it was the, the beer tour was the next day. This this day was just a, was a normal day. And so then I, I came on around, looked at stuff, and I went back to my hostel and had an easy night. No, damn. No, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Because I was only in Bruges for 24 hours. So, okay, sorry. I'll back up. I got to Bruges, said what I said, convent, belfry, city center. It was early. That's what Bruges was. It was early. And they said, there's, there's a beer tour tonight. So, okay, cool. Sign me up. And so then I went, uh, let's see. Then I went um, around and he told me that there was a walking tour. So, okay, great. I'll sign me up for the walking tour too. I went over to this, this other hostel. There's also a pub, uh, the best kind. And then I met up with these uh, very well-dressed people that were uh, well, a lot better dressed than I was. And we went on this long walking tour. And the walking tour was great because we, walked, we saw here, we saw there. Um, went through the convent, learned that story, learned about the history of Flanders. Um, went past a church that supposedly held uh, Christ's blood from the Crusades, or they found in the Crusades. And uh, just wonderful. Uh, and ended that tour uh, at, at a beer museum. Had a couple beers. Fantastic. Left around devices, wandered around, got some cheap food came back to the hostel um, in an hour it was going to be the beer tasting because quite a there's a lot of beer 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 a uh, lot of beer brewed in Belgium there's also quite a few beers brewed in Bruges and so that night was um, it was like 80% of the beers we were going to have and there was like six eight ten beers something like that we we're going to taste most of them were actually brewed in Bruges um, but they're all Belgian beers and so we started and so it was an hour of like get to know your your roommate situation, and so there's this this couch that wasn't very big. So I was on the the, the one side. There is this really cool Canadian girl that was there for one night on a business trip. She was like my age. Then there's a guy that was on on the other side. There was some random guy. There's this really good looking like Latin dude. He was super suave and very Latin and like ah damn this guy's this guy's cool. Um, and he was like talking to me and the girl and he was just really cool. So the three of us kind of got to talking a lot. And then bring the beers. The beers started off with like, oh, here's an eight ounce pour of like these beers. And and the girl the, the girl hosting it was who worked at the hostel. This was a really cool girl and she was very loose, very much like, okay, well, just, you know, if you have eight or you have 10 ounces, whatever, you want a bottle? Okay, here you go. She kind of gave us a little bit of history of the beer and it was fun. And then after like our third beer, fourth beer, it got raucous real quick. Everyone started laughing. It just completely went off the rails. We had beers, beers, beers. And so everyone was like nice and looped up. And what started as like 10 of us, who paid to be there, it ended up being literally 30 of us in this common room. People were like switching around beers. They, they had opened the bar at the hostel to make extra money. So everyone was drinking. There's this big group of German guys. Um, so they were drinking hard. There's some Irish guys there. They wanted to be with the German guys and they were all drinking hard. And so after the, the proper beer tour or beer, you know, tasting was over they they're okay. Well, you know, the, we're, we're all done here. You know, you guys, you guys can go here, there, there's some bars and some clubs on stuff. And immediately, the 30 of us split into basically two groups. There was the German and Irish guys that were really hard drinking that had found some girls that were with them. And they're like, hey, well, we want to go dancing. So like, say, 15 of them, or probably 16 or 17 of them were with them. Then there's like eight of us that were like, well, we don't want to go to a, cl- a club. We want to go to more of a bar. And so we all went to this Irish bar. And it was like midnight, one o'clock. It was, like, it was like a weekday. It was de- it was not a weekend. It was probably Thursday or something like that or Wednesday or something like that. Look, I mean, I guess look up when, around when Thanksgiving was in 2015. And that's what day that's, this was, the day after. And um, and so a bunch of us walked into this Irish bar. We were already drunk. And uh, we just started pounding. 
and we were there until three and the guy kicked us out and we were just we were just plastered and we and like people had had like broken off um the latin guy and the canadian girl had like had vowed to marry one another when they got back home and all this stuff was just crazy just crazy drunken shit and we got and then like you know people left here and there and then there was like a group of like four of us all guys and we went, we closed the bar down and went back to the hostel we got back and people were like making out and like the corners and grouping each other and all that stuff like oh my god and so we went back to our rooms and just bleh, passed out. The next morning, I wake, I wake up in a, in a usual hungover state. I was used to it by now. And uh, I only had a couple hours left in the, in the city. And so I got up and I started brushing my teeth. And there was this American guy that came in. And he looked bad. Looked real bad. He had been puking all night. Real bad. Probably like 21 years old. And I was like, hey, man, I, I, I last saw you at the, uh, at the beer tasting. What happened after that? He's like, oh, man, I got, I got mixed up with those German and Irish guys. Went to the uh, went to the club and I kept these hammering drinks. I ended up at four in the morning pissing on a, a church door. The cops came, threw me in jail, and uh, threatened to, uh, you know, suspend my passport and throw me out and take, uh, have me go back to America. And I was like, oh man, that sucks. And he's like, nah, it's cool, man. I I want to be a writer, so you know, story's a story. And then he just we ended up there. I was like, oh, I get it. It's not the path I wanted to go with writing, but do you, man? Do you, man? You're kind of giving. American guys a bad rap, but we do it all the time, so who cares? Um, I got a bus and then went to uh, to go on another bus. I met this guy who was, uh, he's American. He had uh, he had traveled a lot. He was probably 30, um, and, and he was writing a book um, about his time in Mexico. And so a few years earlier, he had traveled here and there and then found himself in Mexico with very little money, so he decided to work and... Um, he worked and met this girl, and then they kind of started dating, and then he caught pneumonia. Um, they were in the middle of nowhere, rural Mexico, um, and no one knew no one knew he was down there from his family. So all he had was this, you know, this new Mexican girlfriend. They were in the middle of nowhere, and he had pneumonia. And so, through just sheer happenstance, he ended up catching really bad pneumonia, like almost dying pneumonia. Um, he finally got his stuff together. Um, his lungs will never be the same again. Um, but him and this girl were together. Um, she got pregnant. Um, they got an abortion and then they broke up and then he went back here and there and here. And then he came back to uh, America and then he went to, and then he found himself on a bus with me in um, in, uh, Belgium going to Amsterdam together. And so, uh, him and I went to Ghent from Bruges to Ghent. Um, we were only there for a couple hours for a layover. We, we, I showed him around the, the downtown part of Ghent uh, then we, we rushed to our Amsterdam bus. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, bus to Amsterdam, talked the entire time. He's a super fascinating guy. Um, and then we got to Amsterdam and we broke off. And there's him again. Hope he's doing well. And then I, it was like early evening. And so I went and I was like, okay, I found my hostel. Uh, went to the, the main central station of Amsterdam, which is a pretty big area. Um, and there's a big canal. You probably call it a river. Um, but a big body of, a bigger body of water. And my hostel was a ferry ride across that. So I figured that out kind of late. And so I got there and I went through the, the station and then I took this little, little very, very small ferry across and then found my hostel. It was a super party hostel, which of course is Amsterdam. What do you expect? Um, and so I checked in real quick and then I wanted to hit the, hit the, hit the night. I was only in Amsterdam for 30 hours until my, until my bus um, left the next night for overnight trip up to the UK. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry. Um, and then so I was okay. Well, let's hit. Let's go see what the red, the red light district is. It's super famous. Let's go see it. 
I had no intention of actually using the red light district for what it's built for, but I was curious, you know, like I'm, I'm sure most young men are like, okay, well, there's gonna be women and, and like windows and what what's it going to be like? So I got there and it was uh, not what I thought. Um, the red light district is very big. It's huge. Um, there is every sexual thing you could ever ask for there. Gay, straight, short, fat, any, anything. It didn't matter. Um, but the strangest thing was the, the women. And so everyone knows the whole red light is because of the red light above their windows. And um, I didn't know what I was expecting, but um, what, I, what, what was there, what is, is there, is a very regulated thing, which is nice for the women. And I'm very pro-prostitute, so good for them for getting their, the care and the, the, the quality of work, the uh, compensation and insurance they need. And so what you get when you walk through it is, uh, is women in all state of fetishes and dresses and lingerie and all kind of stuff. And, um, you know, their job is to be literally window saleswoman. And so they'll knock on the door, they'll kind of proposition you and you can't hear anything. You can't talk to them, but, um, but you just walk around and they're just of all, all kinds of women, ages, everything. And they're knock on the windows, trying to get you to come to the door. Um, I saw numerous times like these, you know, people that, you know, they knock on the door and then they, like they get greeted, they would talk about the, the terms of what they're going to do. And then they would get brought in. Um, I had no intention of doing that. I didn't want to. Um, and so I was kind of wandering around, just out of curiosity. I wandered through here and there. And I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do on this night in Amsterdam? I only have one night in Amsterdam. And so I was like, okay, well, I'd, I'd never smoke weed. I, I smoked a little bit of weed in high school and a little bit in college, but I don't like how I'm paranoid it makes me. And is, I, I'm not a huge weed fan. I'll stick with beer. And so I went, uh, and and everyone, everyone knows that marijuana is, is uh, well, it has to go. Drugs aren't legal, but they're kind of allowed in Amsterdam or something like that. And so whenever you see a cafe, that means basically a marijuana lounge. And so they were everywhere. I kind of wandered here and there, and I chose chose a random one that had a green, cro- a green uh, cross and then a cafe above it. I walk in, and the first thing I see is this, uh, this, this table full, probably eight, like very young, 18-year-old girls just smoking this three-foot-tall hookah and being like, this is the best life of our lives. And I was like, okay, this is the vibe we're going to get. And uh, the, the, the walls are like painted in day glow. The back is an arcade. It's very much like a stoner's paradise. I get to the bar and there are these two extremely stereotypical Rastafarian guys. Um, you know, people have seen movies. That's what they look like. Um, they gave me this menu. Um, it looks like a brewery or whatever. And, uh, and I was like, I don't know. What to do. I was like, well, this sounds fine. And so there's this thing called a space cake. It was like eight euros. It was like this little, little cupcake thing. And I was like, oh, I want this. And I asked, I was like, is this strong? Like I'm a, I'm a lightweight. I don't do well with, with very high marijuana stuff. Like, is this going to be, fuck me up? Oh no, man. No, 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 This is mild. It's, you're going to be totally fine. So I paid the eight euros or it was, and I sat in this little booth and I was okay. Well, I've, I've had experience with edibles, edibles before. They're dangerous. They're like time bombs. You never know what's going to happen. And so I, uh, I knew it was just take it easy, go slow. And after about 40 minutes of watching everybody and like having this really cool feeling, like, oh, this is, this is a really cool vibe. I ate the entire damn thing, which is stupid. I should only have had half. Um, I was like, okay, cool. I, I finished it, put the headphones in and started walking. Uh, Amsterdam is a beautiful city. Um, you know, like, like all cities I went to during that time in early December, um, you know, there was, there was Christmas uh, displays up. There was lights everywhere. It was beautiful. The canals were serene. They had, you know, they had nice lights going along them, and I had my headphones in, listening to music. It was all just chill. The weed was working. I felt nice and high, but not too high. And there was this point where I was 
looking out the canals and all of a sudden the lights started to get blurry and started doing the streaking. And I was like, uh-oh, this isn't good. And I just kept going higher and higher and higher and the music started getting weirder and I was like, ah, crap, not good. The whole edible thing, I was like, shit, I'm going to get too high. So, okay, let's just chill. Don't get paranoid. Don't freak out. So I started walking, and it's busy as hell. It's very busy. I think this might have been the weekend, and just people were everywhere. They were sliding by me. I started getting the feeling everyone was watching me. The lights started streaking more. My my music made me paranoid. People were looking at me strange. I was like, ah, oh, damn it, I'm way too high. So I took my headphones out. It's okay, I got this is this feeling where I, I had the fear, as Hunter S. Thompson calls it. I had the fear is overtaking me, and I was like, I gotta get to my hostel. Like, just get to my hostel, I'll be fine. So I started going faster and faster, and things started getting really wonky, and just like the whole, the, like the spins kind of thing. And I was like, just get to the hostel. I walked through the very busy central station. Guards were looking at me, of course. Like, everyone was looking at me, watching me, how weird I was being. I got to the ferry. This little kid was like looking at me because I was probably doing the weirdest thing. I was, I was probably like, no one knows I'm high, don't worry. But I was probably making the weirdest faces. And the kid was looking at me. I was like, this guy fucking knows. This little eight-year-old kid knows I'm fucking high. And who cares? Like, I'm high on, on weed in Amsterdam. People are high on all kinds of shit in Amsterdam. So I'm not the biggest target. Um, so I finally made it back to the hostel. I like, rushed into the hostel. Got, like, I took forever to get undressed. And I finally got everything off. And I got into bed. I was like, hey. Closed my eyes. I mean, it was spinning. I was like, okay, I'm here. I made it. I fucking made it. I put on a ro- romantic comedy. I can't remember what it was, but I just remember it was a rom-com. And it's like, okay, just focus. Just lift. Watch this fucking movie. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. The next thing I knew, it was morning. I was like, oh, thank God. I made it. I got, got past the fear. I made it past Amsterdam. High as shit. I was extremely hungover. We'd hungover the worst. I just felt dumb and slow. That I hate and uh, I spent the, the entire day just walking around Amsterdam, taking the scene. It was very different in the morning versus the nighttime. When you go through, when you go into a city of sin at night, it's like, this is amazing. This is where people come here in the night. It's just like, there's just smells like pee. There's vomit. Just everyone's kind of hungover and looking shitty. I got breakfast at, at, a, at a real cafe. Um, it, it was great. Just walking around. Beautiful weather. Excuse me. I just loved it. Um, walked all day, um, literally all day. And I finally got to my bus depot at night. Um, the bus left, I think at like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And it was an overnight bus, um, to the UK. And so the bus took off. It was kind of drizzly and I was okay. It's going to be a pretty easy, easy ride. Like just, let's, let's just relax, lay back. It's going to be cool. And, uh, I was wrong. <laughs> uh, stay tuned for the, I, I just recorded the, um, that, that book chapter. So that's going to be put up probably on Friday or so, Thursday. And uh, now I'm kind of in this whole backlog situation. Um, but yeah, this, this is a pretty fun chapter because it just shows uh, the beauty of Europe. I got kind of got kind of metaphorically slapped in the face by being an American and then got way too high in Amsterdam. And yeah, that's not the first or the last time people are someone's going to say that on a podcast. But um, yeah, uh, we're just cruising along gonna finish this damn thing by the 31st i'm working on it every day um it's fun it puts me in that that mood and so now i'm gonna go watch a uh a uh, a european christmas special on uh pbs so hope you guys all have a great one thanks for listening as always and uh stay tuned for a lot more